0: Welcome to the business of being healthy, where we are passionate about treating our health as good as we treat our wealth. Shelly Bryan here, and I'm obsessed with showing high achievers how to level up their performance without sacrifice. Together, through real life experience and guest expert knowledge, we push aside the BS to take massive intentional action. By tuning in twice a week, you will receive the straightforward talk you've been waiting for, filled with actionable steps that will inspire you to achieve the health you deserve while you are building your empire. Welcome back to another episode of The Business of Being Healthy. My name is Shelley Bryan. I'm your host, and I am incredibly honored to have a mentor on as a guest today. James Patrick is an internationally published photographer with more than 600 magazine covers. That's 600 zero zero guys. To his credit, he's a business coach, a strategist, a media specialist, host of the Beyond the Image podcast and publisher of Icon Fit magazine. He's been featured in maybe you guys have heard a few of these entrepreneur. Oxygen, Strong Fitness Magazine, Shutterbug, Fitness, Business Insider, just to name a few. Plus, he is um going to leave all of our guests with something very unique that has never been created in this format, but is actually a free download for you guys. So with that, James, I want to welcome you to today's show.
1: Thank you. You forgot to mention longtime listener, first-time caller. I always wanted to say that
0: that that I'm glad we did that here, James. I'm glad we did that here. Long time listener, but I will say, you know, one thing about James, and I think, um, all of you in the community listening in today, we're high achievers. We're about like no BS. Let's get to the point and like get results. James is very much that guy. And you can see in the way that he runs his business, his podcast, um, Hive studio where he does his photography, like, It's about getting stuff done. And so we're going to dive into a little bit of that today. But before we do, I mean, I know I just listed off all your accolades, James, but share a little bit about you and how you got to this business that you are in right now.
1: So short story made atrociously long. The common thread between everything I do was some form of storytelling. It it began with journalism, journalism gateway into photojournalism. I spent a little time working as a photo editor for some magazines and newspaper. And and to to clarify, that doesn't mean I edited photos. It meant I was in charge of the photo department determining which photographers we hired, who shot what assignment, but more specifically where images got placed within a magazine or newspaper and what images were being published. So I had to learn a lot about how to craft and communicate visually to, to tell a narrative. And so... Post-college, I, I kind of took that experience and, and started to build up my own freelance for Tarfee business where, okay, I've worked on the one side of it. I know what photos work because I was the one choosing it. So let me be the one who takes the photos that work. I did work in marketing uh, right off college because I took the safe job as many of us do. I I did not know any professional photographers out of college. So I did not know I could be a professional photographer. So I, I took a corporate gig in marketing that I worked at for the better part of a decade, but still was building this photo business on the side until at some point, I realized I was working two full-time jobs. And it just made sense to pull out of my career and leave the benefits and the 401k and the standard nine to five hours, which honestly were 6am to 6pm. But I felt just compelled to invest all my time and energy into something that I was building myself and launched my full time in my photo business. It was about a decade ago. And since then have built a a couple new different additions to that, to that wheelhouse that bridged in a lot of the experience I as I had really gathered over the course of that journey. For example, Helping to coach and bring in my experience working in marketing and business development to assist others in marketing and business development, spending so much time working and publishing to assist others in landing and in and collecting media features to build their business to amplify their authority to generate leads so everything that I've ever created has has been the result of some experience or lesson or or path that I've had the pleasure. Albeit at the time, maybe I didn't even realize the benefit of walking down, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago.
0: I love that. And, you know, that's something that we have talked about with other guests on the show and that I have, as well as, you know, at the time we can think things are happening to us, but they're really happening for us. And how great is it to look back and see that those experiences in the past are now lending to your success now. And then you even get to pay it forward, right? You had all of that experience and now you're helping other. Professionals, entrepreneurs, coaches build their business as well. So I really love that being able to pay it forward based upon your experience.
1: I appreciate what you said, differentiating things happening to us versus for us. You know, when we're in a posture of things happening to us, and that posture is a choice, we cannot control all of the events that happen in or around us but we can't control our response to these events. So if we're holding this posture of this is happening to me, what we've essentially done is we've erased any control we have to make a decision about. This is happening to me, I've erased my control. I am now at the whims of whatever this the result of this is going to be. But to to shift it and it's not this is not semantics. This is this is a complete shift in in how we're owning something. This is happening For me or this is happening because of me or this is happening so that i can fill in the blank all of a sudden now we're retaining control of what we want to do with whatever that thing is nefarious as it may be or as malignant as it the experience was we choose where it goes from there and that's that i think is a very important thing that that you pointed out that i just wanted to to uh, really applaud you for
0: Well, I mean, thank you, but I got to tell you, James, just like what you shared, it came from experience, right? I think we all kind of go through those periods in life where we're like things happening at a rapid pace and you're like, okay, all right, I'm done. Like stop it. Like stop coming at me right now. But then when you take it back and you're like, all right, how can I act in this situation? I know James, we have talked about our kids in the past and this is something I didn't learn till I was older is being able to control. Like the only thing you can control is you. That, that is it. The way you think, the way you process, the way you act is you, regardless of anything that's going on. That is something, something I'm trying to teach my 10-year-old and 12-year-old right now so they can learn it so much earlier than me and have a lot less struggles. I mean, that's part of this sharing of wisdom, not knowledge. You, Anyone can get information and knowledge anywhere. It's the wisdom. And so I want the wisdom from you today. And that's why I wanted you on.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Buckle up.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, no pressure. No pressure, James. All right. So, I want to talk a little bit about we're going to kind of bounce over a few different topics here. But since we opened up the can of worms of wisdom and building a business and leaving your corporate job or your job to start your business, if you were, You know, it's such a different landscape now, right? When we look at college, like, should you go or should you not? The system and like what's going on, building businesses, opportunities. It's very different from when you and I were in college. If someone is in college right now, what would you tell them to help them decide whether to go to get a job or to start a business?
1: Man, that is a really good question. I think, you know... Let's look at why someone would want to get a job versus why someone would want to start something on their own, and and understand this is career dependent. There are certain uh, certain goals and or outcomes that people want that th- the only way to get there is via a specific career. Okay, that that entrepreneurship or solopreneurship it does not does not produce a path to to achieve that outcome and that's that's fine so you know certain things are just mapped out for you but for you know like work like you do work like i do um it's 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 really i think you have two decisions to make a decision you can make is i'm going to do this because i think it might lead somewhere okay the other decision is i'm going to do this because i want to do this what i've learned is that the most fulfilled and when i use the word fulfilled under that definition i include successful and i include satisfied you know i'll use the word satisfied over happiness i feel like happiness is more fleeting and and more of a moving target but the most fulfilled individuals i find do the latter they do things because they want to do them um not because they think it's at some point going to lead them somewhere and they're trying to to construct a a path um, you know when i when I took my corporate job, I took it because I didn't know I could do something on my own to be completely honest i didn't I did not realize that my work as a photographer could sustain a career um, but I actually really enjoyed I loved my corporate job it 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 fueled me for some of those years and and i do believe that there's this scale of satisfaction one has when pursuing anything and you know early on in my corporate career like i was on let's say on a scale of 1 to 10 i was like a 9 or 10 i was i was good at my job i i was procuring lots of work for for the company i worked for i got to work on very high profile projects and it challenged me in a way that that motivated me and there were there were times i lost and and it was painful like i i I lost a um true story i lost a million dollar contract because i misformatted one page of a submittal we did by one eighth of an inch 100 page submittal the last page page 100 was outside the margins by one eighth of an inch per the contract or per the standards that the client had put forth and because of that we lost a million dollar contract Mm. i call that my margin of binge story (laughs) so okay so i lose a million dollars for the company um not great my boss gave me this trophy in the shape of a horse's ass and the inscription on the trophy said you're an asset to this firm and i had to keep that trophy on my desk and every time someone walked into my office and said, why is there a horse's ass on your desk? I had to tell them the story of how I lost the company a million dollars. Okay. You know what I never did again? I never misformatted a proposal by, <laughs> by an eighth of an inch. Like I never had another proposal rejected the entire time I worked at this company. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, just just small anecdote. The point is, is I love this job up until I did it. And there was this shift. And all of a sudden, when the shift happened, all of a sudden, then we start to explore what could happen if. And once we start to ask these questions, then we start to realize that the answers might not be as scary as we originally anticipated. Well, what would happen if I walked away from this job? Well, I built up enough savings that I could probably... If I never made another dollar, I'd be good for another eight months. But what are the chances that I never make another dollar like I'm working all this extra time and my all my all my weekends, all my evenings, every time I, I accumulate eight hours of vacation or sick time, I cash it out and I'm working on my photo job. So I've already built this other thing that is working. And my scale of dissatisfaction starts to increase as my scale of satisfaction for my other business starts to increase. And it just became a point where I had to make that shift. But I'll be honest, I failed at quitting my job several times. I think three, where I was like, today's the day I'm going to quit. And I chickened out because of all the reasons we would ever chicken out about something you know what? Maybe things aren't as bad as I think they are. I'm getting a raise, you know it's it's okay working ninety hours a week. not a problem. I'm young., mm-hmm. but it took this catalyst for me to actually quit. I went in. It was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, and I had my annual review this day. And it, just this kind of formal procedure of my boss having to go through all my all my statistics over the last year, how many proposals I submitted, what was my win percentage, how much money I made, how much money I, I potentially lost. Um, and then part of it was he had to read me these anonymous uh, quotes from the fellow leadership at my office. And just on my performance, so what the other office leaders thought of my performance in the last year. Now, every year I, these quotes have been excellent. Like I, say, you know, I said I was good at what I did. This year they were not. So the one and and my boss tried to gloss over. It. He's like, well, you know, it, my because my performance was still good. I still had a great win percentage. I was still, you know, my my utilization was was on point for anyone that works in corporate America. You know what utilization is. And he's like, well, you know, there were a few comments. Most of them were good. You know, some, yeah, whatever. We don't need to go over those. Like he tried to ignore it. And I was like, I went in that day thinking I was going to quit because I was just so unhappy. And I'm I'm nervous. I'm sweating. And I'm like, well, now I'm curious. Can you read them? He says, it's not a big deal. Like enlighten me is like, well, the one guy, I caught him at the wrong time. He was having a bad day. I'm like, what does it say? It says, James has become abrasive and difficult to work with. I was like, bear. I have. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> not wrong. That guy is not wrong. Like the door to my office is almost always closed. I was like, that guy is spot on. I am not easy to work with right now, which is a good sign that I shouldn't be doing this. It's time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like the next one. He says, really don't worry about this. This is not a big deal. I'm like, I, I'm i just, curious. I need to hear this. He said, okay. The quote was, I've lost all faith in James's stability as our marketer.
0: That's a gut punch. That's a gut punch.
1: Huge. Now, what, so to give the context, I knew who said this and I knew why he said this. And it was not, I'm not trying to defend myself, but it was because he had asked me to do something that I was not allowed to do within my job role and someone else had to do it. And I said, I can't do that thing. This other person has to do it. You need to ask them. He got pissed about it because I wouldn't do what he told me to do. That was the same day he got asked to give my review. So nothing really to do with that. But that doesn't take away the sting of being told I've lost all faith in James's ability as our marketing lead. So my immediate response was I turn in my notice. Mm -hmm. That's what it took. It took that kind of kick to the gut. And my boss and all due credit leaned back in his chair let out the biggest sigh and said i'm surprised it took that long he had been waiting for me to do that
0: it's funny you know just listening cuz i spent 18 years in corporate america too right so like i get all the stuff that you're talking about and oh the stories i could share but just when you made that shift right from being happy or satisfied in your job right to now you're being unsatisfied and satisfied in your side gig or your photography well of course your focus your passion your your heart is all towards that it's going to suffer over here but you're really good at what you did and it's like there's that safety net of the golden handcuffs like ooh, maybe the what ifs got a little bit hard like all the things But what a blessing that you got those negative comments and asked for them because you almost didn't get them. And you probably wouldn't have resigned that day had you not heard that. That was the tipping point to be like, and I'm done.
1: It's very possible. It is very possible. I've definitely wondered. That, I think I would have eventually quit if I had if it hadn't been that day something would have happened or I would have encouraged them to fire me at some point because you know who who wants to work with a rough and abrasive person for 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 too long it, that you're right that was a good sign that I needed to move on to greener pastures
0: but I mean it's again an experience and how great I mean being a business owner you being a business owner you don't want this to happen to you but you learned that very expensive one million dollar loss for not your business. Like, How great is that? You probably on all of them, all the proposals that you've done go forward for you have probably been pristine and perfect and helped only win more contracts and it didn't hurt you that one. I mean, you probably didn't get the commission if there was a commission associated with it, but didn't really hurt you. Do you
1: know what I mean? So I've been thinking a little bit about this, which is this... Resistance to act for fear of a a failing end result, and the the way it got really framed for me, which i which I appreciated was people have this belief that if you fail, you have failed, that it's complete, that it's a conclusion, and I've never really experienced it that way. I feared it to be that way, but that's not what experience has taught me. What experience has taught me is if you fail, you're just failing into the next step. It's not a conclusion. Um, I'll give an example. I'm launching a a new vertical this year. And for all intents and purposes, this vertical can fail. And I know it can fail because we tried to release this vertical back in 2018. Same vertical. And it failed in 2018. And I had the same fear in 2018, which is what if this doesn't work? And that is a hard thing to grapple with. What if this doesn't work? Because our mind will not give us a logical or honest answer. We're going to think that because this thing doesn't work, it is going to undo everything. And we're finally going to be revealed for the fraud we are. And everyone will finally see. Our, our, our inability to succeed. And that will be it for us. But the truth of the matter is, if this doesn't work, I'll just do something else. And that's it.
0: James, I absolutely love that. I I hope that if you guys, I would go back to the last minute of what James just said, if you didn't catch it, but that that failing, right? The failing is not an end. It's actually a new beginning. And having that mentality to do that makes trying new things, whether it's in your health and or in your business, trying new things a little less scary. The The failure doesn't mean the end. It just means, all right, what did I learn? Let's move on. And I think even the skill that James used earlier when he was saying, what if? What if? What if? You start calling out like all of those possible outcomes that you think are going to take you into despair. And you're like, it's not that bad.
1: I think we're wired to stay status quo because we know status quo. We don't know the unknown. You know, I mean, and 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 that to me is because here's the thing. We've all succeeded before. So we know what that feels like. So we can't really fear success. We've all failed before. So let's stop saying we're afraid of failure because I don't even know if we are because we've done that. And we know based off hindsight that failure does not destroy us. We've fallen off bicycles. Okay. I hate that analogy, but the point stands. Mm -hmm. We have failed before and we have proceeded past failure. I think we're more scared of not knowing what could Mm. happen. And maybe that's why the what ifs help because you're, you're, you're forcing yourself to actually answer. Well, what if, what if I leave this job and I never make another dollar? Well then, what happens? Well then, what happens? Then what happens? And and for me, like the you know, with leaving the job, the what if says, I'll just get another job. Like I was being headhunted by other companies. I I was competent at my work, despite being abrasive. I I, I was I was good enough to get that work at any other company. So the worst case scenario, worst case. I would just get another job, but that's not what we think about logically in, in response to acting. And, and I want to call back to what, what you're bringing up earlier, which is this, this ability to gather wisdom. We have never before had more tools and more resources to educate ourselves and to equip ourselves with everything we need To answer every question we could ever have and forecast every possible outcome, we almost have no excuse not to act because this, this statement of, well, I don't know what to do does not really hold water because you can search it. You can figure it out. You can ask someone. We have never been more connected. And there's never been more information readily available to answer our questions before we even know what those questions are. It's just a question of now, do you want to? And you don't have to. Like, you know, to go back to your question earlier, you know, should someone choose to go to college or out of college? Should someone choose to get a regular job or, or go the entrepreneur? Whatever you want. You don't have to be an entrepreneur. There's Being an entrepreneur is not superior to having a job. It's the choice. And and making the choice of what you want is what is going to result in that satisfaction or that fulfillment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And mm-hmm. it's being clear, what do I want? And then choosing that thing.
0: Well, and we're going to dive into this whole wisdom thing because I just heard something with this today. And it's really just been resonating with me just about we're not seeking information. We're seeking wisdom. And that's the whole thing. If you've listened to my other episodes, I talk about sharing information, sharing experiences. That's what this podcast is about, is if we can, the the expert guests that I have on, my times where I failed so many times and what I've learned from it, if that can help one person go through a similar process or similar situation and come out that much farther ahead, hell Yeah. Let's do it and let's share that information in an authentic way from trusted resources. That's the one thing that we are so connected now. And I think, um, and you could probably share a little bit more on this because I want to move kind of transition into media and how you've been able to leverage that with you and your clients. But just you can consumers, we can see through the BS pretty quick. Right. And so being able to see through it and having that authentic side come out, and that word does get like it's a buzzword, right? It gets used a lot, but you can see through. I just call it BS. You can see through the BS and see who's actually providing the real value. And a good way to always look at that is have they been on a similar path than me? Right. James and I took different paths. We might have different approaches. And we might resonate with different uh clientele, right? But the wisdom could still be very similar and resonate with that ideal client. But James, I I wanted to turn it back over to you and really kind of transition a little bit over to media, unless you wanted to say anything else before we move on. Transition over to media because you've done something that... I mean, I, I was introduced to you through Kayla Craft and... You know, James and I worked together on a photo shoot. I was able to go to get published live and I learned so much and the, and the power of media. I'm going to tell you quite honestly, James, I have not leveraged everything that I have, I've learned, but it opened up a can that I'm like, Oh dang. All right. I see what's going on here. So I want you to share a little bit about media and how you've been able to leverage it to grow your business and clients and maybe even leave a tip or two with with our audience.
1: So the light bulb for me, I had this VP when I worked in my marketing career and very, very savvy business developer. So whenever I had a chance to work with him on on projects together, I just I tended to do better work. He tended to pull more out of me than uh, than other project managers I would collaborate with. And he he was Invested in seeing my my photo business take off, he knew what I was building on that side. He supported it. He popped his head in my office one day. He asked me how things were going. I said, "You know, well." And he said, "You really want to pour some gasoline on that fire?" And I said, "Yes, I do." And I took out like a, a pen and paper, expecting this this long dissertation of uh, advice from you know a man I respected quite sincerely, but he only said six words. And those six words were be seen, be heard, be read. And then he walked out of my office. That was it. But when you start to unpack that, be seen, be heard, be read, what you start to get at is the essence of omnipotent marketing. It is a matter of being in front of your client where they already are. Offering value to your client where they already are. We have this misperception that we create our audience and we create traffic. These are not things we create. These are things that we must tap into. And with all of the mass marketing that we've been assaulted with for the last 30 years, we are tuning everything out by default By default, we're tuning things out. It has never been harder to captivate someone's interest and attention than it is right now. So the way you do that is you have to, one, cut through the clutter with a clear signal. And two, that clear signal better have a tremendous amount of value because otherwise, even if you get my attention, I'm not giving it to you for long. So what I've learned is this essence of being seen, being heard, being read is about... Finding out where your audience is right now and what are they consuming? What media outlets are they uh, subjected to? What, what events are they attending? What conferences are they joining? What memberships are they, are they onboarding with? What subscriptions do they have? What do they listen to? What do they watch? What communities are they already affiliated with? When you start to understand these things, which, by the way, you should because you should know your prospective audience – well, these are the places you need to be. But just being, let's use an association as an example, just joining the same association as your prospective clients doesn't earn you any business. Just having that membership card doesn't do shit. You got to show up to the events. You got to give value. You got to be the person that they see. You got to be at the events. You got to be speaking at the events. You got to be the person that they hear. You can't just be there you have to be writing the articles that they're reading giving them value at every stage we give value because when we invest in people long before they've ever invested in us we stay top of mind so this idea of omnipotent marketing of being seen being heard being read is getting in front of your clients where they already are and providing them value so that when they think about a solution to their problem, or something that can provide them a clear or specific benefit, you are the person that is at the forefront of their mind. So that's at the heart of why we earn media. We earn media to amplify our awareness and our authority as a subject matter expert in whatever field we're doing, and two, to generate leads that come back into our ecosystem. So with those goals in mind, I want to amplify my authority or grow my awareness, and I want to generate leads for my business, this can start to dictate what earned media we are targeting. And I use the word earned media, but I also say get published a lot. And when I say get published, people think initially magazine features. But that's only one element of it. Yes, magazine features, sure. Newspapers, podcasts, uh, TV shows, um, YouTube channels, private facebook groups podcast tours community events conferences trade organizations trade publications um, speaking at a community center like renting someone's email list all of these any audience that you are earning yourself a platform in front of any audience is an earned audience and and i use the word earned because you're not paying for it versus like buying an ad and if you're wondering like okay well I could just buy some ads. Yes, you can. But let's look at the ROI and the engagement difference between purchasing advertisement and and earning media. If you're looking at ads versus earned media, earned media has a four times level of engagement that an advertisement does. You would need to buy four times the ads to equal the same amount of space that that earned media feature landed you. Four times the amount of ads. So you can see that advertising can get quite expensive... Because people are tuning it out by default, but we're not tuning out earned media, especially if that earned media is speaking to us as the prospective client, answering our questions, providing us benefits, solving our problems. So you are actually achieving multiple things at once through earned media. We're getting a sense of who you are. We're getting great value from you. And if you have an invitation for people to enter into your ecosystem, We're now signaling back to you that we're paying attention. We are prospective client for your brand and your business. This is why we've really leaned into the power of earned media as the top, if not, not one of the top, but probably the top tool we use for business development. We go on podcast tours. We speak at events. We submit to magazines constantly. I just secured two deals this year where I will be a columnist for two separate publications. That to me is a home run Incredible. because I'm going to be in front of, thank you. I'm going to be in front of each of these publications audiences every single issue. That's a lot of awareness and a lot of opportunities to invite those readers to enter into my ecosystem where I can continue to nurture them further.
0: It's again, I'm just going to say it. Rewind, re-listen to that and take notes, maybe slow it down. Um, because did you notice the passion? Like, did you notice the passion behind James and his clarity in systems that he has for the process of media and the way in which he shares it? It is incredibly powerful. James, I want to dive in here for a second because I feel like this word and I want to get your thoughts on it. I feel like this word gets muddied a little bit. And I want you to share what your thoughts are on it. And that's the word value. We hear this all the time, right? Provide value, provide value. Make sure you're giving them value. Make it value, value value-oriented. We hear value, right? And no matter what business you're doing, like if you're like my husband as a general contractor, you in in your business, me, whatever business it is, that word value can obviously have different meanings. But I want to know how you focus on providing value to your prospective clients?
1: Fantastic question. I just wrote this down because I need to make a list of words we need to stop using and maybe value is a word we need to stop using. And I I put it right next to, I think the word that was really pissing me off over the last five years was the word empower. And I think we need to stop using the word empower. And then the other word is authentic. Authentic,
0: yep. I already called that one out. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm
1: so i think value maybe value needs to go on this list of words that we we we've kind of beaten to death and have lost their meaning as a result here's what it is you need to be solving your clients problems before they ever hire you so we're right now going through a a new marketing campaign for one of my businesses and one of the things we are going to be doing in our content creation, so social media content, e plus, outbound media, so we're going to be writing some articles uh, and try to get those articles placed in different media outlets, is we're going to be teaching our clients how not to hire us. And that seems counterintuitive to teach people how not to hire us. But what it actually does is it builds trust and rapport that we know what the hell we're talking about. And whether or not you ever hire us or not, we're going to make sure you have the resources and the information you need to take action without us. But if you need us, we're here. We're here to help. We're here to support. We're here to do it for you. So in my business, I teach people about earned media all the time. It has never once prevented people from hiring me to get them earned media. It is answering the questions your audience has. It's solving the problems that they're dealing with and it's providing the benefits that they've been looking for before you ever ask for the sale. And by doing that, they will see you as a trusted resource. They will see you as the person that is there in their corner. And I gave that whole explanation without using the word value once.
0: I'm impressed.
1: You're welcome. That was hard. I wanted to say value so many times. And I and I had to consciously not say it.
0: But James, it was so much more powerful. Like I'm listening to you and I started jotting down notes because I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because the thing is, is like, I love the solving problems, right? I'm going to... So I was in the pharmaceutical industry 18 years, right? In various positions from sales to marketing to all, all different things. Um, the most success i ever had is when i stopped all the bs of corporate bs and just focused on solving my customers problems my clients problems i just was solving their problems which was their patient so if i could help them solve their patients problems i mean they they only wanted to invite me they only wanted to make sure that they worked with me they don't because i'm helping them solve their problems so if you take that approach, I love solving problems so much more than value. I think that word value needs to be nixed
1: off. I'm putting on, the, I'm putting on my, my naughty list. There you go. And if you don't know what problems your, your audience is dealing with, and that might be so. Or there might be problems that you are not aware of yet. One of the things I used to do is at the end of every year, I would send all my clients, all my photography clients, a survey. And the survey would ask them questions about how I, how I served them throughout the year, the quality of that, I almost said value, the quality of that service, what stood out to them as ways that differentiated me, ways I could have improved in increasing the, the equity. There's another synonym of of the services that they received, as well as one final question. And that final question is, if you were me, what would you do different? Or how would you market me if you were me? And, you know, we would get lots of really good feedback and data on ways that we can improve the the services that we're providing our clients but what we really got were lots of insights about problems they were having that we could provide solutions to and the biggest problem that i was seeing was i was providing all these marketing assets to my clients for photos they had no idea what to do once they had them that was a huge light bulb moment. They have no idea what to do when they have these assets. They don't know how to communicate their brand. They don't know how to tell that story. They don't know how to build their audience. They don't know how to nurture that audience. They don't know how to convert that audience into into clientele. And all we're doing is giving them assets without any tools or or, or guideposts on what the hell to do next so yeah i was a photographer absolutely and i was achieving my goals as a photographer but that was a huge opportunity we saw and that's when we created like i think the first thing we did was an ebook i think that was the first thing was like an ebook on how to get published and that turned into uh the conference uh and then the conference turned into at some point uh a coaching platform into a mastermind into rebranding the conference into another blah, blah 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 but it started with asking questions because it's amazing when you ask questions and by the way we didn't get this on the first survey we sent out or even on the on the 20th it was like years in this was given to us and that is what we talk about when we talk about understanding our clients is talking to them getting a sense of what they need by legitimately asking them it's not it's not a complicated concept to wrap our head around we're just not doing it enough and they'll tell you this is what i'm struggling with these are my problems and when you listen enough you'll start to notice this data congregates around certain things because if one person's dealing with it you'll you'll notice echoes of it th- throughout your entire audience
0: i love that i absolutely love it. i think this the the survey and requesting feedback is so powerful Right? You received it in that chair when you were still in your job, right? That was a powerful moment for you. Building out your business, getting that back allowed you to create more ways to solve your clients' problems. And I know that one of those creations, let's call it, that you received based upon feedback and just working with multiple clients over the years is what has now created your legacy planner. And with the legacy planner, I'm all about, I mean, right? If you follow me on social media, it's about high achievers. We're professionals. We're getting things done, business owners. If we're climbing the corporate ladder, whatever it is, we get a lot done. James has worked with so many high achievers. He has created this legacy planner about getting more stuff done. So James, I really want to dive in for a moment on what you've learned that helped you create this legacy planner and then i want to talk about what the legacy planner does
1: so the original inspiration behind this was completely done selfishly there was never a a external release factor considered for for over a decade i i'm obsessed with understanding habits and routines and approaches of those who I admire or espouse to be or aspire to be. Um, And so, you know, back when I used to join a lot of masterminds and attend a lot of coaching seminars and things like that, I would ask a lot of very specific questions about how people operate themselves. Because I feel like if we can operate ourselves, we can operate anything you know and you you see you know you see indications of of them just doing one or the other someone has a six successful business but they're unhealthy or someone is in amazing shape but they have atrocious relationships in their life or someone has the greatest mindset um but they're broke as hell, right? So it's like, I'm trying to find individuals who have success in all these other elements of life. And what is it that you do? And, and how can I emulate parts of it? You know, I tell this joke that, you know, um, there was this guy who worked out at the gym uh, back where I used to live in Tucson. And I thought he was like, it, like, you could not have found a better specimen, of the male form. And he must have thought I was creepy as hell because I would just like literally shadow him in the gym like 5 minutes behind him and just copy whatever he was doing. Like I got to learn from this guy. I'm just going to do the same workouts as him. If I could just follow him to the grocery store, I'd buy all the same food too. I could be this guy. Um I'm glad he never found out that I was, you know, lightly stalking him. But the point is is that, you know, we can learn from this. And so I I developed this system for tracking goals because the thing i noticed was that we set these big audacious goals and i was a person who at the start of every year i'd set these really big goals but several months into the year i've forgotten the goals and uh, i've kind of gone off the rails on some other goals and just things aren't going the way that i thought they would so i just kind of abandoned a lot of a lot of my pursuits well that's not getting me to where i want to go so i need a way to constantly check in and and assess my my progress in anything that i'm working on and it started as this excel spreadsheet that lived on my computer that i would categorize out my goals into different at the time i had different subcategories of like here's my photography goals here's my health and wellness goals here's my relationship goals etc and i had to check back in on these goals four times a year And I had to input all this data into the spreadsheet. Uh, And I ran this spreadsheet for years. And I noticed the more data points I was able to put into the spreadsheet, the more I got done every year. The more I was able to really define out the steps it took to achieve any one specific thing, because the more I would set goals that were too vague... Or too ambiguous the harder it was to achieve those goals the more i got into the details in granular about what needed to happen to achieve each of these goals the more likely they would be achieved so this turned into taking these big annual chunks that check in quarterly to taking these big annual chunks and building quarterly plans okay and i and then those quarterly plans turn into these monthly action sheets And these monthly action sheets turned into these weekly sprints. What I was doing was I was taking things that seemed big and seemed insurmountable in concept. Let's say I want to launch a podcast. That's a big thing until you break it down. Because if you say, I want to launch a podcast by, I don't know, April 1st. Now it's March 24th. And you're like, I don't even know where to start. Like, Mm -hmm. I guess I need... What, what do I need? I need a microphone, I guess. I'll go buy a microphone. Well, now I have a microphone, but I don't. I've never recorded before. Is there software? I don't. I don't know. But if back on you know January first, I thought, okay, what are all the things that need to happen to launch a podcast? And I just made this massive list of things. It doesn't matter how big the list is, and it doesn't matter if I list things out that end up being erroneous tasks that I don't need to actually do because I don't know that yet. I don't need to know that yet. I just need to make a list based off my best guess, and then I put dates. Or in order of priority. Now I can segment it. Okay, well, this month, all I need to do is research hosting and buy the equipment. That's all I need to do this month. Next month, I'm going to come up with the show name and the and the 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 design elements. The month after that, I'm going to come up with my first four episodes. So I've now prioritized and have placed a system of what I'm doing and when I'm doing it. So this week. I don't need to worry about recording episodes this week. That's something that's happening in two months. This week, I just need to look at different hosting platforms and make a decision. That's it. That's all I need to do this week. So now I can do that. That's something I can do. And it, you know, it helped because I was applying everything I was doing to, you know, we run this conference every year. We're well, running a conference is once again this big very you know has this perception of being insurmountable. But when you break it down into all these little elements, this week for my conference, I don't need to worry about reserving a hotel or selling 500 passes or my entire social media strategy. You know what I'm doing this week? I'm writing the copy for the website. That's what I'm doing this week, and I know that because I've broken it down. The science is not perfect; it's it's designed to be human. It's designed to flow with us, and it's also designed to be customized to every person and how they choose to operate their lives and, and run their business. So. I realized, as I was doing these these sessions that my clients were asking me a lot about my my output and the efficacy of our production schedules and I was like well i I've just been doing this thing for at this point like ten years, and I just do it you know i I have this system where every year I plan out my my goals for the year, every quarter, I break it down per quarter, every month, I fo- I take those quarterly plans, and I put them into a monthly action. Every week, I take what I looked at for the month, and I just break down, here's what needs to happen this week. And every day, I set up, here's what I need to do the- today or the next day. So I know what I need to do today. There's no question of what I need to do today. And I know when I'm done. And by the way, there are Two things left on my list today. Then I'm done. And then I can end my day. If that happens at four o'clock, that happens at four o'clock. If that happens at six o'clock, that happens at six o'clock. Okay, depends on how many things I put in my calendar. So I sent this rough PDF out after 10 years of doing this myself. I sent this out to about 50 or so of my clients. I said, don't just use it for a year and just see see if it works and give me your feedback. And it, it went exceptionally well because I've been taking all this data from all these people I'd interviewed on my podcast, from my books, from people I met at Masterminds, from people I would just, I mean, about, about their habits and their systems. And I turned it into this planner. And after testing it over 2021, we decided that we we're just going to publicly release it. And it got released and it's called the Legacy Planner. It's about building something that lasts. That's why I call it the legacy planner, because I look at life in three phases. The first phase is vision. We have to see clearly what we wish to achieve. That's our vision. Once we have a clear vision, because without a vision, you're not going to achieve what you want to achieve because you've never set it. It's a guarantee to not hit your goals because you never set goals. Once we have vision, then we work with purpose. So, When I work, I work purposely. I work intentionally. I know what I need to do because I've sketched it out. It's not going to be perfect. There are going to be mistakes. or I'm going to do things that won't yield the results I want them to. And I'll forget things. That's okay. Because this is a work in progress. And when we work with purpose, after we've set a vision, we can create something that lives with legacy. That's why it's called the legacy planner. So we did just drop it um, this year and and... It, it's available wherever you know it's on amazon you can get it i have a hard cover i like the hard cover just because i like that durability we do have a paperback but for anyone that wants i just upload the pdf that people can have for free you could print it out yourself and you can just you, you can test it and refine it to meet what you want to do um and so i just put that up online if you go to jamespatrick.com forward slash legacy you can just download a free pdf of it
0: I love that. And, and just for all of the listeners, I'm going to make sure it's linked in the show notes so that you can actually grab it. But the hardcover might be a better option because like you said, it's durable, right? To last the year. I think a few of the key takeaways and, and this is something that, and I even want to tie this a little bit to health, right? Health and business, right? We, if we don't track what we're doing, how do you know whether you're You're having success. How do you know you're, whether you're achieving the results, whether it's get setting a goal for media that you want to get, whether it's setting a revenue goal, whether it's setting a health goal, you have to track it and make adjustments. I love that you called it. It's human. Like we're, we have to have that flexibility. We have family. We have lives. We have unexpected things happening and we can't be so rigid. That we're just like, "I have to fit in this box because everybody on social media says that this is the only way to be successful, and blah, blah, blah blah. It's like, no. If you take the big, audacious goals, work backwards, and chunk them out into the day, holy cow, what seemed insurmountable is now easily attainable if we track it, that I think this legacy planner just provides so much value. I've incorporated it, using it myself this year because I needed a system to be able to track. And I know James uh, has the research, the experience. I know that he tested it and I'm making it work for me. It's This is James, like his, his vision, but I need to make it work for me. And that's where I love the human element behind it, James. So I, I really think this is such a valuable tool to give you a, a place to start
1: one of the things that and I'm glad you brought this up is that you can work this to meet your own expectations like for example i include quantitative data in it like I, there are things that i like to track i like to track how i slept the night before uh what my mood is every day how motivated am i and the reason i do this so every day i can on a scale of 1 to 10 i can put in My sleep from the night before, what my mood is today, my motivation. So I'll just pull back the curtain. You know, my sleep score today, I gave myself a nine. I had a decent night last night. My mood, a 10. I've been in a great mood today. My motivation is a nine. Now, the reason I do this is because I can look for trends. So for example, if my sleep suffers, guess what happens to my motivation? Guess what happens to my mood? Towards the end of the week, what happens to my motivation goes down. Towards the end of every week, it goes down. Thursday and Fridays are rough days for me. So why do I want this information? Because I'm going to change how I build my schedule as a result. I'm not going to give myself hard tasks towards the end of the week because m- my motivation, It's just, that's just how I am. I'm just going to be burnt out towards the end of the week and I'm not going to want to do harder things. So I'll put the harder things on Mondays and Tuesdays. I'm willing to do those things. So what do I do Thursdays and Fridays? Fun shit. I do photo shoots. And I just built my schedule that way. Like, it's just like, like, I don't put things like, like my accounting on, on Thursdays or Fridays. I won't do it. I was like, Oh my God, I got to stare at like AP forms all day. Screw that. Yeah. No, no, thank you. That's, that's a Monday task for me. That's a Tuesday task for me. So I can, I can look at this and just understand what works for me. And there's no requirement. Like another thing is that I include, um, habits, habits that that I think are important but I don't give any metrics on what qualifies those habits as being accomplished or not accomplished and the four habits are health habits mindset relational and personal growth now for me I know what I need to do in order to check that habit off I know Like for my health, I want to work out every day, at least 20 minutes of motion. And I want to eat something that's green. Like I I set easy habits because easy habits are easy to easy to check off. Um, Now, is working out for 20 minutes and eating a sprig of broccoli going to change my life? No. But how often do I work out more than 20 minutes? Most days. How often does like force myself to eat something green make me make better choices about my my caloric intake? Most days. Like... With my mindset, it's it's a, a one-minute meditation, it's a one-page journaling. Is that a significant no, it's not. But but does does that help me and encourage me to do bigger things? Yes, it does. But these are just I just share these as an example. These are what work for me, but for someone else, health could just be like for them, I want to take a walk around the neighborhood every day. And if I take that walk around the neighborhood, that counts. That counts for me, and good. Make that count for you. This can be custom to you, and I think that's that's what what I really want to drive home is. This is not about copying someone else's approach that might be too hard to replicate within your own life or within like. I've had to adjust my standards since becoming a father because there's someone who starts crying at five thirty in the morning, so. my gym time is now 4 a.m. like uh, you know we we adjust based off our our lives and 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 the responsibilities that we have but you can make this your own this is not my legacy this is you creating your own legacy
0: i love that and the, the habits it this is something i i talk about all the time because habits truly define um your output right and I love that you have the uh, within the legacy planner, the ability to track how often you are staying consistent with your habits. I think one thing I always talk about with my clients and anyone that follows me is attaching the feeling to it, right? So your example of eating that sprig of broccoli, right? It made you feel like good. You're like, I did something good for my health. So then your next choice at your next meal, you're like, all right, I want to feel that. I want to feel that again. All right, I'm not going to order the burger and fries. I'm going to order, you know, maybe a burger with a side salad. Like I'm going to feel better in this next one. So attaching the feelings with it is just another way to create that sustainability of the habits that you want to create with tracking them. So this is just such a great tool. It's incredibly easy to use and in the beginning, I mean James just gave us like the behind the scenes overview of it, but in the beginning he really takes you through step by step on how to use it and like he just said he's not he's hoping that I don't want to put words in it. What what do you hope everyone takes away with the the legacy planner?
1: If people just get more done and realize how much more efficient and effective they can be. It- that to me is a huge win right there. And and when I get to see people, like one of my clients messaged me and she said, if her and her husband had had this planner when they had launched their business, they they do believe their business would be in a much different place than it is right now. And that, that was like such a, it, it was both a sincere compliment and kind of like a great job dumbass why didn't you release this two years ago like you know <laughs> don't hold on to your ideas put them out there like let people this is the thing like we hold on to our ideas. Oh, i have to perfect it you know th- i was sitting on this for 10 years i never even considered it for the people until people started asking uh me so if, if you know with anything use it use it put it into put it into action because that's that is the one thing we control you know, is 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 our ability to act on on things, and and the people I see acting on this, it, it it lights me up to see the amount that they get done that at one point they considered not possible.
0: It's an incredible, incredible, and so congratulations on! Thank you so much pulling it out right and like having the courage to be like, here you go, world. This is what I've done, and and it's here to help you, and you're giving it free for a download. So again, everybody listening in, we will have this linked in the show notes. But James, what's the best way for everyone to make sure that they are following along with you? Where, where are you? Where's the best way to find you?
1: You know, Instagram's easiest. I, I always consider that home base for so many people. So at Photo.
0: Awesome. And we will link that in the show notes as too as well. So I just want to thank everybody for staying in. If you stay for this full hour long, there was so much gold in it that I hope you actually took notes because James gave you actionable steps. And that was something that was really important for me to provide to all of our community for the Business of Being Healthy show is that we don't have time for BS. Let's get to the action and take it. And so James, I knew this was going to be a great interview. um, And I feel like it could go on for longer, but that just means we have to have another one. All for it. Okay, good. Good. Well, James, I just, again, thank you so much for your time, your wisdom, and your ability to share it in such a concise manner that we can all take and put it to action right away. And um, everyone else that joined on, make sure that you tune in twice a week. We have another episode coming out every week for you two a week. Have a good day.